that that at the time, uh, okay, let me start in 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So that what he's saying is before you got saved, before you were born again, that you were uh, called uncircumcision by the Jews and that you were without Christ. Before you were born again, you were without Christ. You were an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. In other words, the promises weren't for you when you, before you were born again. You were strangers to them and you had no hope and you were without God in this world. That's a pretty horrible condition to be in, isn't it? When you think about that, that should stimulate us to want to go win the lost and go outreach because they are in desperate condition. This is the condition that those that are lost are in. So when you were born again, we could take and, and say the opposite of all those, that now that you are with Christ, you are now, uh, you're no longer an alien uh, to the commonwealth of Israel, hallelujah, uh, that you are, uh, that you are now uh, uh, not strangers from the covenants of promise. And, uh, and the, 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 in other words, the promises are yours and that you do have hope and you have God in this world. And so you're not, no longer an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. And so, and then on Hebrews eleven seventeen, hallelujah, so it, what that saying is that everything that belongs to Israel, that belongs to the Jews in the form of promise, now belongs to us. Hallelujah. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, uh, <coughs> by faith, yeah, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up. No, that's not where I'm going. I must have wrote down the wrong scripture. I'm trying to find the one, uh, boy, I must have just typed it in wrong. But anyway, I'm looking for the scripture that said we've been grafted in. Hallelujah. I don't think Hebrews is the right. I must round. Huh? Let's turn to Galatians. I'll give you another scripture. We'll talk about, maybe I'll find that one in a little while. Galatians 3.29. That's what I get. I didn't check my scriptures after I did my typing. And the typist, the typist sometimes is not that great. Galatians 3.29. And if ye be Christ, I know this one's right. And then if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That should be Romans 11.17. It just came to me. Romans eleven seventeen, Hallelujah. <clears throat> it says, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So we've been grafted in uh, with, with the Jews into the olive tree. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glad we found that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the promises and the blessings of Israel are available to us and to anyone who would believe. Uh, <clears throat> the Passover for the new covenant believer is a time to celebrate Jesus. And we know that at the Last Supper, when Jesus had his Last Supper with the uh, apostles and, and gathered together for the Last Supper, that he, that was actually on Passover. That was a Passover meal that they were celebrating. And in the early church... Uh, after Jesus was resurrected and the early church, the apostles and all the believers, both the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers always celebrated Passover. And then, um, and Passover um, is a celebration after, for the Christian, is, for those early Christians, it was a celebration of two things. Of course, for the Jews, the Jewish early Christian, it was a celebration of Israel's escaping from Egypt. And we know all of that escape from Egypt was also a type and shadow uh, foreseeing, uh, foreseeing uh, the, uh, the new birth and, and how we would escape from sin. And then for the, believe, the, the Christian believers, I'm talking about Christian believers that were Gentiles the, and the Jewish believers, it was also a celebration in those early years of Jesus becoming our Passover lamb. So in other words, what I'm saying is they continued to celebrate Passover and instead of just celebrating coming out of Egypt, they also celebrated Jesus being the Passover lamb. 
But in 66 AD, and y'all know this, a bunch of you already know this, there arose a Jewish rebellion, and in 70 AD, uh, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. And we know that in Matthew 24, 2, Jesus prophesied that that would happen. Remember, he said, we won't look it up, but he said, there will not be one stone left upon another. And he prophesied that, that, the, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, and it was in 70 AD. And... Uh, <clears throat> In, by A.D. 325, Rome had become the headquarters of the church, both for Jews and Gentiles, and Constantine was in power. And Constantine, of course, was not a, he was a Christian. He had become a Christian, I think, in, in 317 A.D. He became a Christian. And uh, Constantine was like the president. We would say he's the president or the king. He was the ruler of the nation. And Constantine hated Jews. He was anti-Semitic, and he abolished the celebration of Passover in 325 A.D., and he also abolished all the other Jewish feasts like Purim and Yom Kippur and Hanukkah and uh, the things that Jews celebrate, and he replaced these celebrations, these Jewish celebrations, with hybrids. Uh, the Passover changed from being a celebration of Jesus the Passover lamb and the escape of the Jews from Egypt and it began to be a celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus and, pagan, and a pagan celebration. So he, he, he made a hybrid. He, uh, he, uh, he, he kind of combined uh, the, the, the celebration of the resurrection, and he was a Christian, and he combined that celebration of the resurrection, but he was trying to please the Christian believers, and he was trying to believe the pagans there in Rome, and so he was trying to please everybody, so he just kind of rolled it all up into a ball, and he, just, he changed the day. He wouldn't let them celebrate on Passover anymore. They had always celebrated the resurrection on Passover up until that time, but they couldn't celebrate on Passover anymore. They had to celebrate on Easter, which was a pagan holiday. Holiday. Easter actually is a, they, these pagans celebrated, it was celebration of the goddess of fertility, Ishtar. That's where we get the name Easter. And so, um, <laughs> hallelujah, so really Easter is a pagan, Easter's a pagan holiday. Now I just want to say this, we're not trying to change anything in this church. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not going to, you know, hallelujah, so don't, don't go, oh my, she's going to change everything. No, I'm not going to change anything, but I do want us to begin to acknowledge Passover and all the feasts. I've just got a revelation just to, not to go wild or anything and start actually going through Passover like the Jews celebrate in the um, matzo bread and whatever they do, you know. I did read online today that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated during Passover. I did also read online that Coca-Cola makes a kosher Coke just for Passover. And they have yellow lids. I don't know if you've ever seen any yellow-lidded, yellow tops, yellow and they don't have any high fructose corn syrup in them. Jews are, are, Cokes are kosher already, except during Passover, they can't have the high fructose corn syrup. They can have it any other time of the year. <laughs> Hallelujah. But in, during Passover, it has to be sugar, pure cane sugar. And so they make some Cokes just for Jews during Passover with pure cane sugar. Hallelujah. So if you see one, bring it to me. I'd like to see it just for, you know, just to see it. But anyway, uh, but I haven't seen any of those. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so uh, praise God. So we aren't trying to change anything or anything, but once you just become aware of some things. But really, um, uh, up until that time, Christians had celebrated the death and resurrection of Jesus on Passover. And it would be more in line, truly, with heaven and with the early church believers and the apostles to celebrate on Passover than our custom of switches to celebrate on Easter. But thank God that through all these thousands of years, most people don't even remember that Easter is Ishtar. So, you know, you know, it's not really like, I mean, it's just become where it's just... It means, you know, it doesn't mean what it used to be practically. I mean, you could practically say that. So you don't have to have any condemnation or we don't have any condemnation about it. Hallelujah. So it wasn't our fault. We're not Constantine. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. But that decision that Constantine made in 325 AD was one of the first steps to being to the church starting to move into the dark ages. 
and the dark ages were 1,000 years where all the revelation and power of the church was lost except for just a few sprinklings of people here and there who really held on to it. You know, God always keeps a little remnant even, even through really horrible times. Hallelujah. And when other thing, when other churches or other people are losing sight of things, there will always be a remnant uh, hanging on to the truths of God's Word. And so there was a remnant of people, a few people here and there that held on. But the church went through 1,000 years where uh, they people weren't even born again because they didn't have any revelation of salvation through grace until Martin Luther came along and, and he rediscovered that. And really since that time in 1500, um, actually it was 1517, but they say 1500 is when the, they kind of round it off and say 1500 is when the church began to come out of the dark ages and ever since then there's been a constant one after another move of God to restore truth to the church and many of them you might not even be aware of but we've talked about some of them many times like in 1900s early 1900s the restoration of truth about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues was restored to the church and then there was a restoration uh, in, in the 60s. The charismatic movement was a restoration of the gifts of the Spirit, and especially to all members of the body of Christ uh, having the gifts of the Spirit. Another thing Constantine did at the very same time that he did this other thing was that he began to build church buildings. Up until that time, churches had met in uh, homes. And when he began to build church buildings, he built them like civic auditoriums instead of that was where he got his model was from like, government auditoriums and civic auditoriums and he built it with a you know a high place for the minister or the bishop to be up on a high place and he began and that's when it became not easy for the congregation to participate in the services and we began to have just a service led by just the pastor or just the bishop and the the congregation mostly just sat there and listened. And that began with Constantine. And uh, But before, before that time, the churches met in the house and the believers all participated in the service. You know, we read in Corinthians when it says, when you come together, one will have a psalm, one will have a revelation, one will have a song, one will have a, a tongue, one will have an interpretation. And the services were to both be interactive, not just the pastor gets up there and preach and we have high church. And we still have a lot of churches, even here in Tuscaloosa County, that if you went in, they would have a really high podium up to one side. And they, they, we call that high church, that they have high church when they get up there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, you know, they get on that pipe organ and hallelujah. And, and the believers just, and the congregation just sits there and, and you know, are um, dead mostly. And, but the dead in Christ are going to rise first, so maybe they'll, hallelujah, you know, that's just a joke. Uh, so, uh, so at this time, the church began to adopt a form of religion that denied the power. You, you, you know about that. It says they have a form of religion, but they deny the power of thereof. Or having a form of godliness is what it says. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power of thereof. And that beginning with Constantine in 325 A.D. Now let's turn over to Exodus. We're going to talk about Passover for a minute. And we're going to take communion. And then we're going to worship. And I think we need to cool it off in here. It just feels really warm. Hallelujah. It's probably just me, but y'all need to get with it and get to participating in the service. And y'all will get warm too. Hallelujah. So if anybody has a tongue right now, you can just go ahead and give that right now. Hallelujah. Because it's scriptural. Hallelujah. Exodus 12, verse 3. Excuse me. Exodus 12, verse 3. I think I said 13, but it's 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall... Keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. 
And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire his head, with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. Does that mean with all the internal stuff? I think that's what it means. <laughs> and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Let's read that again. Verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. How long is forever? Forever. Hallelujah. Forever is forever. Seven days shall ye eat. Hallelujah. Let's drop down to verse 22. Praise God. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that it is that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. I want you to notice that God didn't come into their houses to smite them, but the destroyer destroyer is who came into the house. So sometimes in the wording of it, we think, well, God did this to them, but really and truly it wasn't. Hallelujah. It was, it, of course, it was the plan of God. It was in his plan and in his purposes and in he allowed it, but hallelujah, but it was the destroyer that did the destroying, not God. Hallelujah. And then in verse 24, and you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to these and to thy sons forever. I want to ask you again, how long is forever? So it sounds like that we should be, the, the, the Jews and the, 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 the Christian believers should have been celebrating Passover forever. Hallelujah. Or at least acknowledging Passover. Hallelujah. At least uh, participating in some way. And I will say this, that on the Feast of Purim, which I believe is the only feast that we've had this year, I think, I think I'm not sure, but on the Feast of Purim, we were at prayer on Monday night. It happened to fall on a Monday night. So we entered into that with the, we entered into that and did some rejoicing and some, uh, because they get real excited on the Feast of Purim, and it is actually a, a celebration of when Haman uh, was hanged, when Esther, you know, because he tried to uh, kill the Jews, but he ended up being hanged. And so uh, the Jews get real excited and celebrate, and the little kids have rattles, and they just rattle them at the enemy because the enemy's defeated. Hallelujah. So we did some we did some rejoicing that night. Hallelujah. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So this is our second feast this year. Hallelujah. To and you know, just how good of God this year, he made it handy for us. He put it on Wednesday. Hallelujah. And when I became aware of that, even back earlier in the spring, I thought, you know, we need to acknowledge that night. And we need to, you know, participate <laughs> with our faith in that. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. Uh, <laughs> okay. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the... I don't think that's where I wanted to start. Verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So here in the New Testament, we find out that Jesus is our Passover. He's our Passover lamb. Hallelujah. Are you with me on that? And then it goes on to say in verse 8, let, Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven. Now, this is new covenant. And it says, Christ is our Passover. And then it says, I, I, I never had seen this before. It says, let us keep the feast. 
Let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So right there in the New Testament, it says, Christ is our Passover. Let us keep the feast. Amen. So John uh, 2.23, I'd never seen that before. John 2.23. Look at this. This is Jesus. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So Passover is a day of miracles. Amen. Jesus did a lot of miracles on Passover. Hallelujah. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Uh, now we'll turn to Matthew 26. Before you go to 2 Corinthians. Matthew 26. Uh, in verse part B, or but we'll start at the first of 17, just so not to confuse anybody. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Where wilt thou? Where wilt thou? Hallelujah. And then down in verse 30. And when they... Uh, well, all the way down to verse 30. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. And he said, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did, did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto the Lord, Is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in this dish, the same shall betray me. And the Son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the ma that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. And then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, or the New Covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. Hallelujah. So praise God, we're going to get to celebrate Passover when Jesus sets up his kingdom. Hallelujah. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives, and then saith Jesus unto them, Oh no, that's where I was wanting to stop, right there in verse 30. Okay, let's go now to 2 Corinthians 11. Now, Jesus celebrated, and this is what we call the Last Supper, what we just read. Jesus celebrated this Last Supper with his apostles. Hallelujah. And, uh, <clears throat> but you know, the apostles did not really fully understand what was transpiring and what was taking place. Hallelujah. You know, their understanding was limited. you got to remember, it's hard to understand when you're not yet born again because the work of Calvary, the, cry, the cross, had not been done. Jesus was fixing to do it. Hallelujah. So when you don't, aren't born again, the natural man, it's hard for the natural man to understand. They weren't baptized. It's hard for the Christian to understand. Really, it takes anointing of the Holy Ghost. I didn't start understanding anything hardly from the Bible. I did understand salvation limitedly. I knew I was going to heaven. That's just all I knew. Uh, but nothing else that I got in the new birth until I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. It, it seems, and I'm not saying across the board, but it seems that... Um, it seems that it really, it takes the baptism of the Holy Ghost to fully understand before the Word can really be revealed. And that's mostly because it takes the anointing, okay? Uh, first, you know, it's by revelation of the, it's a, it's a revelation. It's not a, it's not like studying a, a, a manual for the car or something. Okay, uh, in first, Second Corinthians 11, verse 23. Oh, it must be 1 Corinthians 11. That typist. I need a new typer. I need me a little dictator thing and somebody else to type it. Is that, am I lost? Am I, am I in the right place now? Yeah, this is right now. Okay. 
for Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which I, I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, in the Weiss translation, if that's how you say it, says, said Paul said, I received this by direct revelation. So Jesus came to Paul and, and we know he told him all the revelation of the new birth and all of that, all that we know in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Corinthians, and uh, other two, but uh, the, especially those, hallelujah, that he, Jesus directly gave him this revelation and kind of made it, and made it plain for him about the Last Supper. And when he, because Paul wasn't there, you know, hallelujah. The same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, we always had in the Baptist church a... And, and we had it our church in, in Seminole too because we bought a church from another church and they left all the pieces, all everything. So we had a table that said, in the, I think it said, This do in remembrance of me. Or did it just say in remembrance of me? Anyway, we had the communion table, and it was white, uh, white, white, uh, it was white, I forget what it was, but anyway, <laughs> everything was French provincial in the, new, in the church that we bought. The pews were French provincial, white French provincial, you know, it was classy, hallelujah. And, uh, <laughs> and the organ, we came, the organ came with it too, and a, ba and a baby grand, a white baby grand, hallelujah. This woman that had pastored this church when it started out that we bought, she wasn't the pastor that was right before we took it, but the woman that started that church, she had a revelation of God's house is supposed to be nice. And boy, she, she had done it. And so, uh, anyway, take eat. This is my, but anyway, in remembrance of me, but I was reading in another version one time and that was sort of, I don't know. And it said in this other version, it said this do in order to remember me. And I don't know, for some reason, that just brought it alive to me. I had never really made the connection that we do it in order to remember Him, in order to remember His death, in order to remember His burial, in order to remember the resurrection. Amen? So we do it in order to remember Him. After the same manner, also He took the cup when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in order to remember Me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily or in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Hallelujah. So here we have Paul got a revelation of the Last Supper or the Lord's Table, we call it some churches, or the Lord's Supper. And sometimes we call, and we call it communion most often. But some people you say, especially if you say it to a Baptist communion, they're like, what, 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 what? Because they, they're used to calling it the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. So, and that's what we always called it in the Baptist church. Uh, so anyway, but Paul got a revelation of it, of the body, the broken body of Jesus, and that that bread was a symbolic of the body, and that that cup was the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the power of it. And he said, then he began to give instructions on how to take the Lord's table. And he said not to do it in an unworthy manner. Now there's two ways to take of the Lord's Supper unworthily. One would be to take of the Lord's Supper when you have, know you have sin in your life and you hadn't repented of it. And repent means to turn away from it. You haven't repented if you intend to go do it again that night. <laughs> That's not repentance. Hallelujah. You're just sorry you're doing it, but you're not sorry enough to, to change. Repentance means to turn. And so... That would be drinking of the cup unworthily. But, you know, I don't think most people in this church are living that way. If you are, judge yourself because we don't want you to be judged. Hallelujah. But another way to drink in an unworthy manner is just not to give any value to it. That's taking of the cup and the bread unworthily. And a lot of churches, a lot of people are doing that because they don't give any. They do give some worth mostly to the, to the blood. 
most places, but they don't hardly give any worth to the body. But we know that Jesus' body was broken for our healing, that he bore stripes in his body for our healing. And so we have to drink of that. And, and you know, it even makes sense. It ties in with here that if you take it unworthily, not recognizing that the body of Jesus was broken for your healing, he said many are sick. You're going to be sick if you don't recognize what Jesus did. And many die too early because why they don't recognize. And they've been taking that cup and drinking that bread all these years in an unworthy manner because they just haven't got a revelation that, 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 that Jesus is the healer. So tonight you need, when we take up the cup, and we can go ahead and have the ushers come up here, when we take of the bread, which we do first, I want you to take that in a, in a way giving worth and of course, take a few minutes to judge yourself. If you have sin in your life, you need to repent. If you don't intend to turn from it, well, you know, do whatever you feel is right. I mean, you can, you don't have to take communion. Hallelujah. But on the other hand, you know, there's a power in it to help set you free. Amen. Praise God. Now, we were really in the Baptist church. I tell you what, they wouldn't. Now, we don't. We'd serve communion on Sunday morning, but we don't. A lot of times it just seems like we it falls that God leads us on Wednesday night, but we don't do that for a purpose. But in the church we went to in Seagraves, they wouldn't serve it on Sunday morning, afraid somebody would come in wouldn't be saved and they'd take it. So they only did it on Sunday night because they didn't think anybody was going to come on Sunday night that wasn't worthy. Hallelujah. <laughs> But I tell you, hallelujah. But we don't need to worry about that. It's the individual believer that has to worry about it. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And so tonight when you take the, uh, or we, we kind of give it out at one time. So when you, when, when you, I, I think I'll just have pastor come up here and finish, finish this part off and have, go through it. Cause I don't know what to take first and do all that. So, Amen. and then we're going to, after we take communion, Nicole's going to come up here and we're just going to worship the Lord for a few minutes. And we might pray too. I don't know however it happens. Hallelujah. Well, this is a form. It's a, it's a, it's a form that can be worthless and, and empty and have nothing. And it, that's exactly what it is. If you take it that way, it's, it has a potential of great power in your life. But without entering in with a heart and an attitude, with sincerity, it's, it's, it does nothing. You know, it's like water baptism. You just got wet without the soap, and so it means nothing. So it's all about your heart right here. And it's a, it's a time where, where we do take the form of it and stop our lives. You know, it's, it's really working every day, but we stop our lives and stop and, and consider and put value there. And when we, when, we take the, when we take the bread, we take the value of what Jesus did and appropriate it into our bodies. Now, like I said, it's every day, so it's not like, well, I can't wait till we do communion or you know, the Lord's table so I can get healed. No, it's available all the time. But every once in a while, you have to stop because in our casual thinking, in our busy lives, we are prone to just rush through it and gloss over it and get to the other end of it. Whereas when we go through this ritual, as it were, we can appropriate the fullness of all God has. So saints, let's, let's, uh, let's pass that out. Which leads me to tell you that in the same Baptist church she's talking about, it was done with great pomp and circumstance. There would be a certain uh, cloth over it, and the ushers would fold it a certain way, and there'd be great reverence and everything. Nothing wrong with that. That's good to, uh, to esteem it. But on the other hand, you know... Uh, if you don't have a cloth over it, you can still take the fullness into your life. Amen? So whatever helps you. So we'll just peel back the top there. And I tell you, this is the puniest little wafer, the, the lamest excuse for bread and, you know, the body that you've ever seen. So absolutely, the elements of it give you no reason to depend on this cracker, to depend on this bread. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look like power. It doesn't look like anything. So absolutely, to get it, we have to go all the way with our faith, which is what we should do anyway. Hallelujah. So let's ascribe value to it. The way we do it is we go exactly where the Word tells us to go. And Jesus, uh, Paul said of the Lord Jesus that we would 
do this in remembrance of him. Now, here's the thing. We don't remember Jesus on the cross suffering. We remember him in victory. That's why there's no cross in this church with Jesus hanging on it. It's because that's not what we remember. We remember not the suffering and the shame, but the resurrection life where Jesus triumphed over sickness, disease, pain, and death. So right now, we take hold of the body that was beaten and bruised and flowed blood. It was bruised for me. It was bruised for you. It was worthy of every disease and every trouble, every pain and malady, every sickness, every malfunction and dysfunction, every weakness that assails us in the flesh. It is the cure. It is the total remedy. It absolutely met the problem and solved it. So right now, I ascribe worth to the broken body of Jesus. And I say nothing else is needed and nothing else is required but that he paid it all. And that if I can receive the price that was paid, I can have it all. Body, I tell you in the name of Jesus, you'll receive the full worth and value of the broken body of Jesus, that he was broken, that you would be healed. He was laid low, that you would be raised up. And so right now, we're going to take our own bodies and command them to receive the life and the anointing in this act of faith. Father, we lift up this bread and we thank you that it is the body, the broken body of Jesus to us, and that there is full power. The transaction of faith is full in power to my body. Body, you will receive it in every joint, every member, every organ, every tissue, every muscle, every nerve, every cell. I command you to receive the life and ability and power of the broken Christ now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I am the healed. Thank you, Jesus. I am restored. Thank you, Lord. Trouble is gone. Come on, let's just lift our voices right now. Right now, I thank you, Lord, that the power of darkness has been overwhelmed by the power of life and light. And my life has been changed. Now, body, you are healed. Now, receive life by that act of the Lord Jesus for me. In Jesus' name, not in vain, but fully restored in my body. My flesh, you are alive unto God now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank God I'm healed. Let's say it. Thank God I'm healed. Amen. Well, the word says there in that same place of the Passover lamb, Jesus our Passover, that the blood is the New Testament or the new covenant in him. So we have forgiveness of sins and total restoration, full fellowship with the Lord. Can't get to it, but I sure know it's there. Hallelujah. So condemnation and guilt for a past has been eradicated by the work of the Lord Jesus. We all can remember things that we failed at, that we were weak at, that we experienced separation in our soul. But now we even, as 1 John says, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. By this act, I receive the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus from all guilt, all shame, all sin and failure, weakness. And I, I stand before God fully restored in the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus, righteous as he and standing justified before him. There is nothing 
of shame or guilt in my life. Lord, we do this in remembrance of Jesus and thank you for it. Hallelujah. Thank God I'm forgiven. Thank God we're forgiven. Thank God it's done. Nothing else has to be done. It's finished. It's complete. I've been restored. I've been raised up. I'm alive unto God. He has received us. We are the accepted and the beloved. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Now, if you would, and I don't do this to add to or to take away anything from the scriptures or anything from the Lord's table, but I just want us to do this by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that we just, just dip your finger in your cup and just get a little bit of that juice, that blood, and then put the blood on your doorpost tonight. Hallelujah. And Lord, we just release our faith with this blood. We anoint our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Ghost. They are your dwelling place in Jesus' name. And we thank you by that blood that our bodies are protected, our bodies are strengthened, our bodies are made whole, and that nothing can touch us. And in our pathway is life and there is no death thank or destruction, God, yes. Yes. that we are under the blood. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have divine protection from anything that might come, any weapon that might try to form. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to, hallelujah, we're going to worship a little bit tonight. And then you just enter in and with your, and we're going to make that connection. We're complete that connection that we've been making with God tonight.
Let's, let's just continue on, Nicole, and let's pray for a few minutes in the Spirit. God can't do what He needs to do without our prayers. He needs our prayers. God can't do in your family what He wants to do without your prayers. He can't do in the world what He wants to do without our prayers. He can't do in this church what He wants to do without our prayers. But with our prayers, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And Lord, there's a, con there's a congregation here tonight. There's a corporate body. So we thank you, Lord, that, that, that it'll be multiplied, that one will put a thousand to flood and two will put 10,000. Oh, and it'll come good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So we pray right now in the Holy Ghost. Open up, open up. The pathways of God. Oh, 
anointings can come in in Jesus name in Jesus name that the crooked places would be made straight that the crooked places would be made straight oh and that which has not been healed would be healed that which has been lame oh would not be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed <laughs> let it rather be healed Doors of understanding be opened up. Be opened up. Oh, doors of light be opened up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, doors of strength be opened up. Strength, Lord God, to overcome. Let those doors be opened in Jesus' name. That we would be overcomers. Oh, in every area. Doors of deliverance be opened up in Jesus' name. Oh, every stronghold of bondage falls beneath our feet because of that blood. Yes, curses passed down, broken now in Jesus' name. In G- addictions, addictions passed down, broken now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Familiar spirits that have followed generations, you be dismissed now in Jesus' name by the power of the blood. Oh, confusion be broken off now in Jesus' name. Confusion about directions. Confusions of where to go and what to do. You be broken now in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, we pray for a 
a new awakening in Jesus' name. We pray for another wave of restoration and restoration of understanding and restoration in the church of who we are in Jesus' name and what we're called to. We pray for that to come, to come now in the name of Jesus. We pray for the church, the body of Christ, the church. It's dear to you, Lord. We pray for it in the name of Jesus, that the church all would be strengthened, that the church would go forth. That when, when businesses all over the earth are perishing, the church would grow stronger than ever before in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray, this just keeps coming up in my heart. We pray for Jerusalem because it's dear to your heart. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And peace means shalom, which means wholeness. And we pray that Jerusalem will never be split. In the name of Jesus, Jerusalem, hallelujah, will be whole. We pray for the Jewish people. We pray, Father, for you to lay help upon them. We pray, Father God, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they might know Jesus. We pray, Father God, we pray for our neighbors all throughout this city, that they would know Jesus. Oh, Takabrati Kilo Tekiba. Oh, Takabrati Hisha. Oh, God, let the, let, the, let the power of the gospel shine through us so that they see. They see it. They see it. And Father, all over this city and county, that they run to the light. That they run to the light. In Jesus' name. Oh, Tekiba Hasha Tabohose. Oh, Takabrati Hasha. Even, Lord, as this weekend they ran. They ran in droves to see airplanes. Lord, that they would run in droves. To find Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the wake-up calls that are going on all over America and all over the earth. That you're waking up the church and you're waking up the backslidden and you're waking up the unbeliever. And Lord, wake us up too in any area that we might be numb to or any area that we might be blinded to or any area that we might not be paying a close enough attention. Lord, we ask you to wake us up. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us and wake us up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for a new level of the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you, Father, for dreams and visions. Oh, for this is the last day. And you said there would be dreams and visions. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Oh, Taka, now and now they're coming fast. They're coming often. Oh, they're coming fast. They're coming often. And we are to seek God. Because sometimes the meanings are not quickly and readily seen. But as we pursue you, Lord, you reveal. And Lord, some of them, Adabrati Kihoshe, O Tekebrati Kihosete Kihasha, O Takabrati Kihoshe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believed you, Lord, to connect with you, that every heart here would connect with you tonight. And so we believe that it did, and we believe that it will never be the same. And Lord, we believe that when that bread went into our body, we took it into our body, our bodies will never be the same. We believe when we drank that blood, that we will never be the same because of the power of it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We believe as we anointed ourselves and put the blood on our doorposts in a symbolic way, Lord, but that in faith there was great power in it. And Lord, that nothing that comes to steal, kill, and destroy will be able to get to us, but it'll have to pass over in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, in, just in closing, we want to thank you uh, for the original meaning of Passover. We thank you for that Passover when the, when the Jews were brought out of Egypt. And Lord, it's important to us because through that, you brought Messiah. If it hadn't been for that, Messiah wouldn't have come. So we thank you for that. We thank you that the death angel had to pass over. Oh, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you did bring them out of Egypt. We thank you, Lord God. We praise you. We praise you. We glorify you, Lord.